Look at you, weak mama's boy. You have such a high opinion of yourself, but you're no better than the rest of us. No matter what your social media ranking says. You and your pathetic idea that everything will be fine when you do nothing to change what is suffocating you. You, and me, thinking when the moment comes we'll be different than the rest. That we won't run. That we'll stand and face the enemy. But there is no enemy to face because the enemy is invisible. The enemy is inside you. Don't you want to do something that actually means something? Kill yourself. Sleep inertia pilot slicing through the foam of the days like a radial saw on a stone heart is a 100-page original graphic novel written and illustrated by Valentin Ramon, co-creator and artist of Dave and Hot Damn. You can get your copy by supporting the Kickstarter campaign and pre-ordering. But hurry, nothing lasts forever. Hey everyone, before we get started this week, I wanted to give a quick shout out to another Columbus-based podcast here called In the Record Store with Vincent Grant. It's, a, like I said, another Columbus-based podcast that features uh, Columbus musicians uh, to have them on to talk about their music and then plays the songs uh, for you to hear. It's a great show. Uh, I've only discovered it within the past week and I'm already enjoying it. Uh, if you're a lover of music or just discovering new music, be sure to listen to it. You can check them out on SoundCloud iTunes, or you can go to intherecordstore.com. So again, strongly recommend checking it out. And now on with the show. Whoa, dudes, Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one. Yeah, and you are listening to Candair Podcast. It happens to be a tribute to comics and pop culture like yours truly, Cowabunga! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candair, your tribute to comics in pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jay Grunion. And joining us today, freelance illustrator Isaac Bell to talk about some of the stuff he's got going on. Thanks for being with us, Isaac. Hey, thanks for having me. We got a good show planned for you today in the Retro Roundtable. We're going to be going around talking about uh, not only our favorite war movies, but uh, talking about what makes a good war movie. Sure. Uh, then we're going to take a dive into the uh, comic dump bin. Any, you guys got anything good over here? What you got there, Jack? Invincible Iron Man number one. Ooh. This came out like two weeks ago, I think. That looks like a girl in the Iron Man suit there. Riri Johnson. So just one of the many books we'll be talking about. And then we're going to turn our full attention toward Isaac and talk about what he's got going on. So let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Do it. Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Grab! Taste bad! I like to play. All right, guys, before we go around talking about, you know, what our favorite war movies are, let's just start with what we all think makes a good war movie. Who'd like to go first? I'll go first if you don't mind. Go ahead. Fear. Fear. If it's if the action is well choreographed, fine. If the effects are good, fine. If the dialogue's good, what you need in a war movie to convey a sense of like the horror of war, it needs to be frightening and overwhelming. It has to be mm. like a sensory overload, mm-hmm. and you want the people 
to have that very human element. No matter how heroic or brave the character is, you want to you want to know that they're afraid because you can connect to that. You put right. yourself in their shoes when that relatable element. I think a really good war movie is frightening, and you can see that fear in the characters' right. actions. Whether it's because they're numb to it and you're surprised by that, or or they show it on their faces, you know, it's. It's all about fear for me. Kind of like that scene that we've seen a million times, but to where, you know, the, the character gets so stricken with fear that all sound around them goes yes, away. Yeah, and you just yeah. hear that mm, ringing and everything's yeah. in slow motion. And they're just wide-eyed sitting there staring at everything. That sort of element. Yeah. yeah. When it conveys that, that's when a war movie feels really impactful to me. Sure. What about you, Isaac? I can definitely agree with that. War is a, a terrible thing, you know, and a lot yeah. of times when you have a kind of a cookie-cutter um, Cowboys and Indians kind of feel to a war movie, it, it doesn't do it justice. Right. Know? Agreed. I don't think that's what war is. Exactly. So. about you, Jackie? He said it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> that, Thank you. That muffled thing when you, were talk, talk, when you were talking about that made me think of, when I get real mad, that same thing happens <laughs> yeah. to me, too. Yeah, just rage. When Jack goes into rage mode. Yeah. Hulk yeah. mode. Everything gets quiet around me. I guess for me, it's just, I mean, it kind of, you know, rings off what you guys are saying, but just capturing the realism of it. You know, when, right. I mean, when you when you have these movies come out, typically, you know, you have your, your A celebrity or whatever who's starring in the role. But I don't know, two movies kind of ping on both ends of that spectrum for me. And they're both great movies, both movies I spoke of before. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Right, right mm-hmm. up there at the top of anybody's yeah. war movie list. Absolutely. And no one's exempt. Everyone goes at the end of that, except for Matt Damon, of right. course. But, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, you know, watching him go, that was heart-wrenching. Rough, yeah. And another um, <laughs> another one of my favorite war movies would be The Last Samurai. Mm. <laughs> now, this, this kind of goes against what I'm saying, what makes a great war movie, though I love this movie. But at the end, spoilers here. If you haven't seen it by now, tough shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> you had time. So. You had ample time. <laughs> but... Uh, Every samurai dies, except for Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's just in every one of his contracts, maybe. But uh, that's historically accurate, though, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, everyone died except Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I thought you meant to the. I mean, that's based on an He's actual here, war. Yeah. That's based on an actual war, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was one sole survivor, but both great movies. Both great movies. So uh, let's go around. Favorite war movies. I've got a handful of them. One of them, they had to reboot for whatever reason, was uh, Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the original Red Dawn. That was, yeah, that was fun. That was good. That's though. almost on the other end of a spectrum where you've got, like, Saving Private Ryan with, like, the really intense, like, oh, this yeah, is yeah. war, war fucking sucks. And then you've got Red Dawn. It's like, yeah, fight the commies. <laughs> you know, it's like this kind of subversive, almost empowering, like, we can take them, you know. Right, right. What about you, Isaac? I was going to mention uh, one war movie that was one of my favorite movies and then uh uh it kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh as i kind of grew up and and realized it, it was actually uh apocalypse now oh. and uh I as a teenager i just loved that movie so much and then as i grew up and started actually studying about the vietnam war and uh you know it, that movie became almost like an insult and i mean as as a film i think it's it's a great piece of work, but going back to what you, we were talking about, uh, the the horror in war movies, it was almost like comedic. 
I mean, I guess it was comedic, you know, with soldiers surfing and, you know. <laughs> that doesn't like really the, happen? They did party out there, though. They did. Yeah, I mean, but it's like this huge tragedy happened, and so they made a, a, a satire about it, I guess. I remember watching that movie. Great movie, but, uh, yeah, rewatch it from the from that perspective, and you might have a, a different opinion of it. I need to see it. I've never seen it. It was yeah, crazy. Really. Watching it and seeing all the one-liners that come out of that movie. Oh, that yeah. have been so popular. The, uh, smell an napalm in the morning. Very that, quotable. Was that I that think one? that... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it is. Okay. I, I get that in Full Metal Jacket mixed up. I was, I was pretty sure that was it, yeah. Full Metal oh, Jacket is definitely on my list. But, okay, and so, so uh, on the other end of the spectrum, it's a uh, documentary called uh, War of... or Year of the Pig. Have you guys seen that? No, no I haven't. A, I I've heard of it. It's a documentary with uh, zero narrative in it. And it's about the Vietnam War. And it's just all uh, actual, you know, video from that time, from news and, uh, you know, from over there during it and just everything leading up to it. It's really interesting because it doesn't, since there's no narrative, it doesn't really lead you around. You're forced to come up with your that's awesome i'm gonna have to watch that because like he's saying typically when you walk watch any kind of documentary you're being steered in the direction of belief yeah you know i i saw a documentary kind of in that vein it was a little more structured i think than than what you're describing Uh but it was i remember watching it and thinking there wasn't like a really overt political message uh it was called restrepo it was um in the corngall valley uh, I guess one of the most dangerous postings in should, Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken, but definitely in that war zone. And uh, it just follows a, a particular company. I don't know their their designation off the top of my head or anything like that. But uh, um, they, they just they manned this fort called Fort Restrepo, named for uh, one of their friends who had, who had died very early on in his deployment. And it just follows them for a length of time, just going through just being in the most dangerous part of a very dangerous, almost random conflict, you know, where right. where you can never be totally sure anything's safe. And just the hassles, and it, it's it's a really interesting little slice of, like, daily life as a soldier, you know, when it's not all just combat, 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 you know, you see it's, it gets boring, they get hungry, they fight right. with each other, they tell a lot of jokes, you know, right. they drink when they can. It's just really, really fascinating. And uh, I, I uh-huh. recommend it. Yeah. Uh, you guys talking about uh, Vietnam a little bit earlier it makes me think of uh, Forrest Gump, the whole part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, again, your natural reaction is to yeah. laugh. I mean, there are many one-liners from that movie and many things he said that make you laugh. But at the same time, I think they probably captured, uh, I don't know, that experience very well for what they could do in that movie. Uh I don't know. Just when he's hauling Bubba, you know, yeah, out of yeah. out of the it's woods effective, there. you know. Oh, very much so. It was terrifying, terrifying. Not to mention all the rain and all that yeah. stuff. I can't imagine. Sometimes it rains upwards. <laughs> <laughs> A bullet bet me. <laughs> but uh, also, Full Metal Jacket. You had mentioned. Yeah. Now, when I first uh, heard that movie heard of that movie and had seen clips on YouTube. I mean, 90% of the clips you see are... Now, help me here. What's, what's the sergeant's name? Arlie Ermey. What's that? Uh, well, it's 
Sergeant Hart, I believe, in the movie, but yeah. it's R. Lee Ermey. Okay, so yeah. anything I had seen of that movie were just clips of him yelling, and yeah. all you can do is sit there and laugh, you know? Right. So when my buddy finally sat me down to watch it, I was under the impression, okay, this is going to be a funny movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it opens, ah, he starts delivering his one-liners, and you're laughing at him, and then just, like, all at once, when the, when the what was it, the private? Pile. Pile, yeah. yeah he kills him in the bathroom sure. there. I mean, just like that, I was snapped to reality. Like, oh, shit, this is going to be heavy. And yeah. boy, was it. That was a, such a good movie. Absolutely. And I think probably is a, another true representation of uh, you get the that. war experience. There's, that, there's one scene that always sticks with me is uh, the main character, his name I always forget. He's, he's flying in a, in a uh, helicopter. There's a door gunner. Who's just oh, firing yeah. out across the field, and he says, "Like uh, anyone who runs is Viet Cong, and anyone who doesn't is well trained Viet Cong." Yeah. You know, just the randomness of the violence. And yeah. As I understand, yeah. there, I think it was that guy or another similar, just like a gunner. He was supposed to be the drill sergeant, but Ermy submitted an audition saying he could do it better. He was a drill directly. sergeant. Yeah, yeah, and uh, got the part. I guess they really? swapped him around. Yeah. That movie was my training before I went into the army. No, I had a buddy that just came back from boot camp, and he had seen the movie. He's like, "You gotta come over and watch this movie. This is exactly what it's gonna be like." Oh my god! Yeah, so my watched dad it, watched like, Stripes Whoa. before he went to basic. He said that wasn't helpful. <laughs> no, razzle dazzle. <laughs> oh my god! I can't imagine getting ready to ship off and then watching that as like, "Yep, this is what you're going into." Yes, yeah, prepare, prepare Damn. for it. So it was. Holy the whole time God. you're in there, you're like, oh, my God, it is just like this. <laughs> and there was one person in your platoon that was like Pyle. It just couldn't get it, couldn't do anything, it failed all the time. Mm. Oh, yeah. Too. His name was Jack. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Isaac? Any other movies come to mind? I was just thinking back to, to boot camp because it was the same experience with me. And I was trying to remember there was actually a a word for the people who just always screwed up because they would get actually sent back to other companies and uh, have to stay in boot camp longer. Can't, I can't remember the It started with an R. I can't they were remember. Just like, I want to say yeah. it started with an R. I can't remember what it was reject. called. Though. I was just going to say reject. You know? it was something like that. It was re- yeah. something. Yeah. Man. Yeah, something. You know, other war movies, definitely one of the big ones for me was we already uh, brought it up, but Saving Private Ryan and mm. that opening scene, they're in the boats and the doors come down and everyone just starts dropping. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first I, I had ever seen anything like that, you know? It was uh, pretty shocking at the time for me. Yeah. And it builds it up. Like, you know, you're following them and they're transport, and you're like, okay, well, here's the team that's going to storm those. They're going to blow up the bunker or whatever mission accomplished. And it opens up, and, and that's it. They're done. Yeah. They're gone. That was their whole thing. However much training, however much, mm-hmm. you know, went into that, as soon as they hit the shore, gone. It puts it in perspective what, yeah. what really happened just hearing the stories. Oh, yeah, all these people stormed the beach. But then to actually see that representation of it. Yeah, just unloading shipfuls of men yeah. directly into machine gun fire, you know? Just that state of mind, you know, seeing your you know comrades being mowed down next to you, being one of the few who, who weren't killed right away, 
I can't imagine like staying so focused, having seen all that right. to still drive forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think of myself and this is why I shouldn't be in the army, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just immediately panic, you know, flight or fight. You know, I, I think my body would immediately look for flight and I, uh, where do you go? Yeah. What do you the, do? You're on the beach now. It's, it's not even accessible to me. No. I can't even begin to think what that yeah. would be like. No. Mm. Crazy. Well, this is getting kind of heavy here. Yeah. Let's, so let's let's talk, talk about some of these uh, some more movies that maybe on, that have a comedic side to them. I know one that you guys always talk about would be Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. I got one though. I think I think this fits both bills kind of nice. Starship Troopers. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Right where you get yeah. kind of that element of uh, you know the the grievous toll combat takes on people you all these people who are missing limbs and stuff from mm-hmm. start to finish you're always hearing about you know how brutal and dangerous it is and then you've got that like super pro fascist edge to everything where it's you know we've got to rise up and defeat these bugs that are however many light years away and couldn't have possibly attacked us but they totally did guys we're serious you know it's <laughs> sort of this you know allegorical is that the word? It's an allegory for, for like, modern conflicts where you think of, you know, like, destabilized small powers and larger powers, you know, kind of scavenging what's, you know. It's, hmm. Starship Troopers comes to mind as, like, a almost almost satirical, I think, look right. at modern conflicts. The whole telekinesis thing kind of lost <laughs> yeah, that's it, though. A little, that's a little zany. Doogie Howser. <laughs> right. Was he in that? Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was some kind of psychic sensitive who could access the thoughts of. But I remember there's a scene right at the end where they, they find their like the brain bug, you know, yeah. their leader, and they send in Hauser to whatever his name is to to interpret his thoughts. He's like, he's scared. Like, yeah, he's scared. Everyone's all cheering. He killed he's his scared. entire hive. You know? <laughs> there was a really really cool um, animated series. It came out. The CG one? Yeah, Roughnecks. The Roughnecks, yeah. I've watched a sweet couple of those. Yeah, I used to watch that all the time when I was younger. Hmm, I'll pull that up. Check it out. Wow, it's, all, it's all on I YouTube, I think. Yeah, it was really cool. Then they huh. did Starship huh. Troopers 3 up to, I think, 4. Yeah, and then you and could, they've got, like, the mech suits and stuff. And yeah, and they just got even worse. Those were straight to DVDs, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. I think they're, I thought I heard they're trying to reboot that movie. It would yeah. make sense. Yeah. It's always amazed me how. I mean, it's been years since I've seen it, and I, I really remember nothing about it. But I remember catching part of it on television recently and thinking, "Wow, you know, you can tell this is definitely a '90s, you know, cheese yeah. movie." But it, nonetheless, has really survived, stood the test of time. In fact, just people love it, man. Just There's a little more to it about, yeah. than you know what there. There are different ways you can interpret it. It can be just like straight up, like oh, cool, this is fun, you know. But are you people be like, ha, that really showed them, really showed those corporate pigs, you know. There's the whole <laughs> spectrum of how you can interpret the message that you know it, it runs a full range. They only reloaded in that movie one time, <laughs> right? You one time, yeah. What year was that set in? Was that in the uh, present? It was, uh, it future, was right? nearish yeah. future, right? Yeah. Hmm. Does anybody here remember the Polly Shore movie in the Army now? Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. wow. I think I've repressed that. Wasn't Andy Dick in yep. that, too? Andy Dick Good and uh, Lori, Lori, Lori Petty. Petty. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. One of the uh, one of the last on the downward slope of Polly Shore right there. But, uh, yeah, I remember enjoying it at the time. But, my God. Even even through the enjoyment, thinking this isn't a good movie, I completely <laughs> forgot about the that. water purifying platoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, what about you, Isaac? Yeah, I've repressed all of Paulie Shore's movies too. <laughs> 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 
That was the question, right? Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of a funny one. Guess Nothing really comes to mind, to be honest. Yeah, I guess there aren't a whole lot What's of that? them anywhere. It's a, it's a tough sell yeah, having many, a war right. movie that also has like a comedic edge. Yeah. Right, right. I still need yeah. to see Tropic Thunder though. I still need to watch that. That was a fun one. Yeah, you guys just. I was I was resistant because I'm really not stoked on Ben Stiller. Oh, me neither. Most stuff he's in, I'm. He just plays the same like yeah wormy kind of guy that I just I don't really give a shit about you know Robert Downey Jr. It was is worth it for his yeah his whole whole time yeah What do you mean you people What What do you mean you (laughs) (laughs) He did a black guy so good it was hilarious that whole movie. Oh, I need to watch it. It's cool. It's Jack Black detoxing the whole time. Uh, yeah, okay, was <laughs> wasn't Tom Cruise in that one too? He was yeah. like very against type, which was funny. Yeah, because yeah, really typically hard to like, catch him and that, to realize it's him. Anytime he's in anything, he's like the best of the best. He's the fastest moving guy with the biggest teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good actor, though. I'll give it to him. I'm not big on the guy, but he's a good actor. And yeah. on that note, <laughs> <laughs> finally, a positive note to end on. <laughs> Took us a while to get there. Yeah, so I think that'll do it for the retro roundtable. A lot of good movies, a lot of good points made. I think I'm going to go home and watch Starship Troopers again. I think I might have to do the same <laughs> as after soon as Tropic I think Thunder. About it. Yeah, after Tropic Thunder, I've been saying I'm going to watch it for some time in heaven. So, all right. Well, with that, let's take a dive into the comic dump bin. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first with mine. Go first, Jack. Can't, I don't want to tell too much into it since it's a right. brand new comic. You're, you're stepping through a minefield on this one. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up being a lot better. I was going in kind of, oh, didn't know whether or not it would be good or not. But it actually be, it ended up turning out pretty good. Really? She, Yeah. She, in the beginning of the book, um, it's like 10 years ago in Chicago, there's parents at a doctor's office and the doctor's saying, well, we found out that your daughter is a super genius. Not just genius, but super genius. And she's been acted up because she's bored. Because those genius people, they get... They get, they get bored. And they, they yeah, he's like, you're, yeah, so you're, I can you're giving her yeah, of course. box and friends <laughs> and stuff to play with. So she gets bored and acts up. So what you have to do is, you know, make sure when you teach her, while she's learning to, to explore life, not just to stay inside. Because I guess, well, in the Marvel Universe, if you're really smart and you don't go out in the world and do stuff, then you come to a recluse and turn into a, a, a bad guy, I guess. <laughs> right. yeah. Kind of very yeah. d- important yeah. dynamic there. <laughs> so then it flashes back into the, the present, and she's working in a garage building some stuff, and she gets a friend that comes over to her house, and they start hanging out for a while, and the parents are happy. Then it cuts back, and it, well, that was a couple, like two years later. Two years in the past. Then it goes into the present, and in Oklahoma, I think it was. Maybe it was Nebraska. There's some building that's getting taken over by some monster, and there's an Iron Man suit shows up, and it's actually hers. She built her own Iron Man suit. Oh, basically. so there's no affiliation with Tony Stark, really? Not really. Not until, well, I guess it could spoil it, the very end. Like, apparently Tony's gone, because there's like a video camera recording of her saying, No, oh, I can't believe, you know, I never got to meet. I've been working with Tony, but I, he's gone now, and I don't know where he's at. Hmm. It'd have been cool to work with him, but she's complaining because her suit has really slow AI. Like she's trying to tell it to do <laughs> stuff, and it like five minutes later finally says stuff, what she's looking for. And at the very end, a box shows up that it's a digital version of Tony that he downloaded his conscience into the computer, 
to help her. And that was pretty much it. So Tony becomes her AI in the suit. Kind That's of what thing, it's or? looking like. Yeah, oh, they don't wow. say I, they don't say what happened to him. <clears throat> if, if it was just like a copy of his mind in the computer, or if it's actually him. Hmm. That's, That's pretty neat, though. It's an interesting way to keep them interacting yeah. without having two Iron Men in panel every time. You know? Right. I thought yeah. it was just going to be like the what, what's a female ward. Lord and Lady, I think, is the other end. Ward. Oh, like, Ward. Like Robin, I think they said yeah. Lord. I don't I think know. Ward is. Him. Yeah, Ward is just Ward. Just, You're just talking yeah, sidekick that, kind of a thing. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. she would have Yeah, yeah being, no, Ward doesn't. It works for both. It works for both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely not what it is. But All right. Invincible Iron Man, number one. Cool. All right. Check that one out. Very cool. Isaac, would you like to go next? Uh, Sure. And that's pretty interesting. I, I'm really behind on everything Marvel is doing right now, and I need to catch up. But uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to think about what I've actually read recently and kind of a nostalgic book to talk about. It's a comic called Pit uh, from the 90s. This is from Image Comics, which, you know, growing up, I was a huge fan of Image because of the crazy art styles that they had. And uh, I, I grew up, and as an adult, trying to read those comics, a, a lot of the writing doesn't hold up. You know, really incredible, <laughs> extravagant art, but uh, the stories are very lacking, unfortunately. So, but, uh, you know, on eBay, I, I found the entire series of Pit, uh, which was by a guy named Del Keown, who I'm a huge fan of, incredible artist. So I, I picked them up uh, kind of just for nostalgic reasons and was just flipping through, looking at the gorgeous art, and I ended up actually getting sucked into the story. And it's pretty interesting, like, how crazy that series gets. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. But, no, uh, oh, it sounds Pitt, familiar. I feel like I've heard of it. Believe it or not, at one time, Pitt was more popular than Spider-Man in the 90s when things were going crazy and Image was on top so Pitt was kind of looks like uh, the Hulk uh, he's got like long hair and claws and very bestial and uh, the the storyline just gets insane like the the creator he just does whatever he wants and goes wherever he wants with the story which you know I love and uh, so you know spoiler but, uh, you know, this is an old series. It's been out forever. And, you know, chances are people aren't going to read it anyways. But, uh, <laughs> like, just a lot of crazy stuff happens. Like, he kills Bill Clinton. Like, the uh, you know, wow. our main character, intense. our hero, kills Bill Clinton, who was the president at the time. And, uh, you know, there's this whole government conspiracy. Like, uh, you know, the American government is basically the, the villain in the book. In, in a lot of ways and you know a lot of it is just really cool like giant monsters fighting each other but it's this really like uh, you know no holds barred kind of writing style that is actually a lot of fun and uh mixed with the gorgeous art like it, i think it's actually a, a legit awesome series so i would recommend it I just pulled up some pictures here to check it out, and this dude definitely looks familiar. I know I've seen him before. I'm going to have to look more into that. Yeah. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, for sure. All righty, very cool. Jakey, you want to go, go next? next? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i almost ashamed to say, I swear it's like I've relapsed, but uh, I'm back on Dark Souls. 
So uh, I found a, a, a recent Dark Souls comic that kind of caught my eye. And uh, it was cool. I wish I had more glowing things to say about it. I think the problem is the nature of the overarching story, quote-unquote, in Dark Souls. It's, like, so nebulous and open to interpretation. I can see how it would be really hard to write, like, a comic for this setting. But uh, this one's interesting, and I I think they do a good job. It's Dark Souls Winter's Spite. And uh, you're following this knight who, very much in the Dark Souls fashion, is a kind of nameless but determined roving knight-errant type guy named Andred of Ithvale. They all have names like that. Yeah, it's always someone of somewhere. You know, they've got Hermes Conrad naming all these characters. So. Um, and in this one, it's it's interesting. The thing that caught my eye is that it's in this very snowy setting, which in the Dark Souls games means one thing, more or less, that you're in a different world from the one the primary game is set in. Okay. In the very first Dark Souls game, there is a painting that you can enter it's kind of like an exile realm. It's perpetually snowing. It's ruined, presumably since the day it was built. They just built ruins because <laughs> this is a very poorly maintained, horrible snowy hellscape called uh, Ariamis. And uh, it, it shares a lot of stylistic elements with this, with like, the very gothic architecture and particular types of monsters that Andred runs into and has to fight. And then in more recent Dark Souls games, there's been another painted world, the most recent expansion called Ariandel. Okay. And this is what this is. You, you get a, a little bit of... The, the story's pretty thin. Andred's chasing some assassin, some murderer, who killed a family member and stole his weapon. This weapon was uh, forged with the soul of one of their ancestors. Which, you know, soul forging's this whole thing in the series. You know, you kill something, you claim its essence, you make it into something physical, now you have power over that thing, you know. And uh, so he's trying to get, essentially, the, the soul of his family back. And... Uh, he, he tracks this assassin far and wide, killing, fighting, finding clues, and he finds this uh, this orb, like a, like a scryer's orb, kind of like a gypsy crystal ball, um, with this snowy, you know, image visible inside, and when he touches it, it sucks him into that world. So it follows that theme of, you know, even tucked away from the decaying reality of this game, there's a place that's even more horrid. You know, where do you throw rejects in a world that's been rejected? You know, you send them to this other place. And so he's in captivity fighting in the arena for the amusement of things he hasn't even seen yet. They're just these slave-like kind of ghoulish-looking things that take him to and from his cell to the arena and show him new horrible things to fight. And you're treated to this nice slideshow of, like, iconic monsters from the games, which was kind of a treat. You know, all the different things that you... Love to hate and hate to love, but especially love to hate when you fight them. And uh, it was interesting. Some of the action was really stylish. There's some cool panels. The artwork is solid. I really like what they did with it. Um, the palette, you know, just because of the setting, it's pretty limited. He didn't really have a choice, but they did a lot with uh, with what they could, which I thought looked really nice. In other places, it's a little muddled just because you got so many swords swinging and limbs going this way and that. But <laughs> overall, it was a fun read. Nothing like important or thought provoking. You know, it's it's sure. not something I'm going to tell my grandchildren about. <laughs> But it was cool. It was a nice little yeah, diversion. Around, <laughs> yeah, right. Better than the last one you read? Yeah, it, it was actually it? was. It was better than the previous one, which I think read about Dark Souls once and heard the names. So like, oh, that's a game, right? And then they made a comic. Like, mm. this one has some ties to it. So. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it kind of scratched that itch because I'm still I'm back on it in a big way. So Dark Souls, Winter's Spite. Very cool. Well, my comic this week uh, I found online. It's a online web comic, and it's called Drugs and Wires. 
And um, do you guys remember the Image comic uh, we had the guys on for uh, called Limbo? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, like yeah. it had that very like uh, '80s video store kind right. of retro feel. Uh, it kind of reminded me of that. It's it's set in 1995, and though it's in '95, it has like a a futuristic setting. It's hard to explain. It's got that. It's like that neo retro thing. Yeah, very uh, cyberpunk kind yeah, of feel I'm, to I'm it. Very into that stuff. You would like this yeah. then. Um, but pretty much what it is is uh, in 1995, they have uh, there's a company who has successfully created like a virtual reality that they're selling to the public, where you know you can uh, virtually train for something or take a virtual vacation or go to a concert or they even say do virtual fucking if you so please. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> there are you know it's it's a very restrictive technology and there are people on the outside who have uh, put. Like these implant things. I don't know if everyone has it in their head, but they, there's like this big hole like right in the side of their head where they've installed all these uh, like wires and circuits. And then you can actually plug into the computer and go into virtual reality. And the uh, again, you know, you're not unless you're paying to do this, it's illegal to be within this virtual reality. So there's a bunch of these kind of like I don't want to say anarchists, but these like against the man kind of. Group of kids, I guess, teenagers, young adults, punks, punks <laughs> cyberpunks, yeah, who, uh, you know, they in hiding go into this virtual world. And it starts, the series starts following a, the character named Dan, who is not only a cyber junkie, but a, a just a junkie, you know, a drug junkie. And he's trying to get his life back together. And you come to find that he, uh, like while he was plugged into the VR, got some kind of what they keep referring to as a worm, which I guess would be a virus. Mm. That uh, typically, when it gets in there, it fries your brain. You're just you just blanks your brain out, and you're just kind of left a vegetable. But he was lucky enough to like have disconnected or something to where his technology is shut off. And but had if he were ever to turn it back on, it would definitely fry his brain. Right. So he's. Uh, and though there's runs this risk, he's tr- throughout the comic he's trying to find a way to jump back in. It, li- very little details kind of dilute as to why he wants to get back in, but you kind of see that maybe there's this girl on this virtual plane he's trying to get okay. back to. So that's all I'm going to really say about it. I mean, there's three chapters up online, and man, that was a really good read. Cool. Really suggest looking into it. But what really stood out about this comic was they really, really take advantage of their webcomic presence. There is a, uh, like, when they go to, do you guys remember, like, what a website from 1995 looks like? (laughs) How simplistic it is, but you have, like, your three colors kind of strobing in the background. When it comes to a panel where you're looking at one of those web pages, it's it's doing that strobing cool. thing. Yeah, or like if there's another scene where he's uh, you know passed out his computer and you're seeing the like the flickering light from his computer like against like a tipped over beer bottle or something, you're actually seeing it within that panel the light flickering. Nice, okay. it's so, so got, cool. Like, little like effects elements. Yeah, the- and it's not in all not on every page. Right. It's just here and there, and it's just uh, something you wouldn't get out of you know printing this book. Sure, not that I would you know. I would totally buy a printed copy of this book, but uh, <laughs> right. I've never seen a webcomic take advantage of its web presence like this. Awesome. So it's really cool. I recommend checking it out. It's done by a few people. What I'm guessing this is just kind of like their uh, stage names, but there's Cryo Claire, who is the artist and uh, came up with part of the concept. And then uh, IO Black, who is a writer and uh, the editor of the book. 
But uh, I strongly recommend checking it out, www.drugsandwires.fail. So, yeah, check it out. Nice. Dot yeah. fail. I liked it. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, huh. goddamn, if it doesn't take me to that website. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, very cool comic. I strongly recommend it. Awesome. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, you'll like it. I'm not going to be able to talk right. about it next week, though, because you already talked about it now. Well, why not? You're, I mean, you're, you'll probably give more detail than I would, uh, <laughs> than I've given. You, you've got a way about that. Uh, well, thank you. I, I've just really touched the it's tip of the heroin. iceberg. <laughs> 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 I'll have to get in on that. <laughs> All right, very cool. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Isaac and talk about some of the projects he's got going on. Thanks again for being with us, Isaac. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. And we're glad to have you. I was uh, looking at your website a little bit before we got on here. and Man, you've got some gorgeous work on there. And I saw that you kind of described it as a uh, highly detailed line style you have. Can you go into a little bit more detail about your style? Uh, yeah, it definitely all goes back to those horrible 90s image comics uh, <laughs> that, that's my big influence you know there's a lot of detail and uh, a lot of over exaggerated forms uh, everything is very stylized I'm not very interested in realism I, you know I, I try to include just enough realism for you to be able to tell you know what things are Right. Uh, but then I just try to go crazy with everything so, because that's the kind of art that I enjoy, so that's that's what I try to make. I'm right there uh, with you. I that's when when I got into comics was in the early '90s when everything, like you're saying, was very over exaggerated. When there was no gun that had only one barrel anywhere right. in comics. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, I I, that's, I think that's why your work when I saw it resonated with me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you know that's kind of my style. Uh, I am freelance. So I, I do a lot of work in the collector's market, just doing like, you know, uh, commissions, sketch covers, a lot of stuff like that. I've been working more and more in just doing freelance stuff, uh, such as logos or uh, really anything that comes my way. I, I uh, you know, try to do the best I can and uh, tackle it. I'm also always working on, you know, I always have some kind of comic book project going on. And uh, there are always independent, uh, you know, privately funded uh, books. They're, they're very slow moving. So right now I'm working on a comic called Reverse Dark, created by a guy named Patrick McNerney. So I've been working for him for the past few months on this book. And uh, it's a sci-fi story does have a lot of cyberpunk elements to it, especially visually, because that's one of my favorite genres, so I'm, I'm definitely injecting as much of that as possible. Sold. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, it's been a really good creative relationship uh, with Patrick. Just I, We work well together, and he gives me a ton of leeway to kind of, you know, he, he, he presents the script and then just kind of lets me take it from there, and I think his background is more in writing, so he does leave it up to me to make a lot of uh, visual choices on the pages. So I'm having a great time with it. That's cool and, when you uh, get that kind of uh, that kind of freedom. You're not being told exactly what to put down, but the artist, or excuse me, the writer trusts the artist to bring their vision to life. Yeah, it's I love it, and it's great uh, turning in pages and you know the feedback. You know he's always happy with what I'm doing so 
that's a very positive thing for an artist. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, this isn't uh, definitely not your first comic. I mean, you've done a lot of work in other comics and uh, even some novels, right? Yeah, I have. Um, I've been working on one uh, comic book project or another for, I want to say, about two years now. So, I mean, it is all independent stuff, you know, really slow moving. You know, a lot of it uh, hasn't seen print yet. Some of it is not going to. But uh, so it's, it's an interesting field to work in. But uh, I definitely enjoy it. Now, another one of your uh, claims to fame on your website there, and I got to take a look at them on your, uh, on your Twitter account, were some of these uh, playing cards that you put some horror images on, and then I saw some other ones uh, with, like, Batman and stuff on them. And these things look freaking cool. And honestly, if I had a deck of them, I wouldn't dare <laughs> play with them. I'd put them, in, I'd put them in frames is what I'd do. So how did you stumble into doing that? Actually, that's kind of what got me my start in a lot of ways. Like, uh, that's what started getting me noticed on social media. You know, I just started from, I, you know, I tend to just draw on everything. And it, it's in the past, it was kind of a problem, especially in school and, and things like that. But, uh, that, you know, I, I have no idea. I think there was just a pack of cards sitting there and I started drawing on them. And thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And, uh, so I um, started posting those in like horror groups, you know, online, and that's when I started actually building a network and you know having some kind of a following, and uh, that's what I built everything else on because you know my network is what really allows me to be able to make a living off of my art. So that was definitely the stepping stone to get to being a full-time illustrator. It's so cool how you did these cards because, I mean, typically, I mean, when you say, when you just say, you know, he does art on a card, I don't know. I just think of a drawing just over what's already there. But not only do you draw what's all over what's already there, what you draw, you know, overlays what's on that card and really comes out of the card at you. It's really freaking cool. That Freddie and Jason one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Well, thank you. I, they're definitely a lot of fun. Uh, they're to this day, like definitely the most popular item on my in my shop and, and stuff like that. So. Can definitely you know, they're fun, and, but uh, the, also the other thing about those is I, I still have not uh, finished an entire pack or an, an entire <laughs> deck. So usually I get all these random orders for like a set, you know, like a flush with a certain set of characters or, you know, things like that. But it, it's still, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and definitely one of the things that, that I, I guess made me stand out from the beginning. I can't wait to see more of them. So I imagine that you probably hit the uh, con circuit pretty hard then. I'm very new to that. Uh, definitely got my uh, start just uh, doing business online. So most of what I do is just, you know, sit at home and draw. And I get, <laughs> you know, uh, orders coming through uh, uh, social media and, you know, Etsy and stuff like that. But I, I have started uh, working, doing the cons and it's, just this whole other you know aspect of the industry which like for me doing the cons uh getting to be face to face with people and mm -hmm. seeing the enthusiasm that they have for the art rather than just you know getting messages or emails or whatever like sure it's a big difference 
and it's really encouraging and inspiring. Right. Definitely love uh, doing the comic conventions. So. We've had so many people on that, you know, they say the exact same thing you do, but uh, then at the same time they say, you know, I was set next to this other uh, uh, writer or an artist who, you know, we got to talking to over the weekend and then we became to, you know, we come to collaborate something else. Just the not only the meeting of the fans, but the meeting of great minds. Uh, it's just what makes the uh, convention circuit so so great. And I think. you never know what's going to come of an interaction. You no, know, some little chance meeting, like oh, I like your stuff, and who knows how that affects things down the line. Right, you know, it's all at butterfly effect. If you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and you know I've I've had several of those kind of encounters that have led to you know some of the stuff I'm working on now. Just build relationships and expand your network and a lot of pretty interesting incredible people out there and a lot of them like to go to comic conventions so. <laughs> <laughs> there's some not so interesting ones in that bunch you too take the good with uh, the bad. <laughs> and there you have <laughs> <laughs> so, so where yeah, are you I get a few of those. yeah absolutely <laughs> where are you based out of isaac uh, I'm living in Denver, Colorado nice. at the moment. Oh, I've nice. been here for yeah, I've been here for about a year now. Uh, the creative community here is just massive and enthusiastic. So people here love their comics. They love their art. So it, you know, it's kind of an ideal place to be. So and you know, I I had. The, the cost of living here is excellent, too, compared to where I was living in California. So, Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Columbus scene's really uh, starting to grow as far as uh, comic book art yep. is concerned, yeah. too. So we're really trying to tap into that as well. But I think we've had a few people out of Denver on the show before, haven't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. So very cool. Now, uh, people can go to www.isaacbell.carbonmade.com to check out some of your work. And uh, follow you on Twitter at uh, Isaac underscore Bell. Are there any other mediums for people to check out your work and or, uh, you know, commission you for their next project? Uh, Yeah, I I always recommend that you just uh, Google me uh, and all of my stuff will come up. You can go to the images and, you know, see a ton of my work and, you know, all of my sites come right up. And that should I spell out my name? if you, yeah, if you think it'll help. Yeah, I guess it is kind of uh, an untraditional spelling mm-hmm. of Isaac, isn't it? Yeah, which is why you can find me on Google searches. Too, so. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually I-Z-I-K-B-E-L-L. Uh, so, yeah, that's how you can find me. Perfect. And we'll help people uh, find it as well by Absolutely. putting uh, links up on our website and also uh, blasting it on Twitter. So that we will. Man, it's been a pleasure having you with uh, us today. Thank and, yeah, thanks for sharing your art with us. And uh, I can't wait to have you back again. Thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our shows, follow us on all our social media. Visit the Wall of Justice to see the Hall of Heroes. Check out some of the videos from our YouTube page. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Check out our YouTube page, a lot going on there, and go to iTunes and subscribe. 
It's the most effortless thing. You click that button, and then our, our episodes just show up in your inbox. You, you have, get it all at once. Yeah. It's totally yeah. free, you guys. Yeah. We yeah. don't even charge you. It's an ongoing Black Friday kind of thing, yeah. like you were saying. Black Friday time. every day. That's something <laughs> only Canned Air can do for you. Isn't that right? Well, also, be sure to check out uh, our podcasting brothers, the Game Fix podcast, over at gamefix.ning.com. Uh, we had the pleasure of sitting in with an episode with them uh, just last night. Uh, a little Batman collaboration situation. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And Found uh, out Batman's parents died. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Who the hell knew? Yeah. Who knew? They were murdered, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> Murder most foul. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to their website and check out uh, the episode Breaking News, Bruce Wayne's parents murdered, and you hear uh, the Canned Air Boys sitting in with the Game Fix Boys. Sounds like a Dukes of Hazard setup, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, check out their other episodes. They're good guys. They have a good show, and uh, we really enjoy them. And another thing before we go, we uh, touched base with a band on Twitter. I'm super stoked about called Hail Sagan. And it's uh, led by the beautiful Sagan Emery and her band of uh, mask-wearing band members called The Nothing. And I believe there's one of of those dudes is even from my Power Man 5000. These are some... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get that anonymity angle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're on the uh, EMP label. Uh, She's uh, sent a few songs over our way that we're going to be playing at the end of this episode that I'm really into. I think you guys will be into. So, yeah, stick around at the end here to check that out. Uh, You can get their EP on iTunes. And uh, go to HailSaganOfficial.com, and you can find them on Twitter at HailSaganBand. And the song we're going to be playing here at the end of the episode is called Dark Cloud. And she said it was kind of like a uh, take on like an anti, anti-bullying kind of song. So, hmm. yeah, everyone, I think, can relate to that, especially sure. in our genre, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. So, uh, yeah, I strongly re- recommend sticking around for Dark Cloud. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be playing a few more uh, songs that she sent our way. So uh, Check them out, because they're going places, this band. Yeah, they really are. And they're supposed to be setting up a, a tour pretty soon. So awesome. they come to our town, buddy. Candare will be there. Cool. Candare's going to be there. I can't freaking wait. So, uh, yeah, stick around for that. And if, yeah, any other bands out there want to get your music heard, send us your MP3s along with your information. We'll throw it at the end of the episode. Help get you some exposure. So Promise they won't show up on Pirate Bay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're not those kind of guys. No, we're not. We're just fans of music. You know, we, I, I want to incorporate music more into this show because sure. it's a big part of pop culture, just as much as anything else we yeah, talk about, absolutely. right? So, what a good uh, band to start with, right here. Yeah. So, with all that being said, uh, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Isaac Bell. Thanks for listening, everyone.
I'm bored. I wish we were buzzed. Let's drink Daddy's cough syrup. This is where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Doc! You just need the Candam podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.